Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. We've been talking about some things lately, like, you know, how Jesus brought increase to Peter, right? And, and that whole process, how that worked. And then, and then how he brought Peter to a new level of, of life uh, because of just walking with God and going along the process. And that's really what happens is, as we begin to have the light come on in us about who Christ is. We've got to get out of, of just where we've been. Even if you've been a believer and you've been in church, God's, God wants to bring you to new places of discovery of Christ. It's not just mental enlightenment, you know, or it's beyond, it's knowing a person. And so God brings us from one place to the next. That's what he was doing with Peter. And last week we were looking at, at discipleship. And um, I think there's a, there's a really interesting story in um, Luke I, I want us to read today. And we're going to get into this story a little bit. And you see what's happened is, you remember Jesus told Peter, you follow me and I'm going to make you a fisher of men now. You're going to be fishing men. And we see in another gospel where he told all of his disciples, he said, from now on, if you follow me, I'm going to teach you to be a fisher of men, right? So we said that to Peter. He says it to the 12. And then, and then we're going to see what happens here in Luke chapter 10. It says here in Luke chapter 10, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others. So here we're beyond the 12, and he's got 70 more. And he sent them two by two before his face into every city and every place where he himself was about to go. Now, these 70, of course, were people, they weren't just random 70 off the street, uh, I understand. They were, they were people who had been close to Christ. They'd been following him, right? They'd been learning. Okay, so then he says to these 70 that he is sending out. The harvest is great. This is an interesting thing. <laughs> he's sending these people out. And he says to the ones he's sending out into the harvest, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lamb among, lambs among wolves. That doesn't sound very encouraging, does it? Um, carry neither money, bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the way. Whatever house you enter, say peace be the house, and if the peace is there, your peace to rest on it. Eat, and, uh, eat what they give you, etc. And then he says, um, and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, this is really a very interesting thing that's happening here. As I've, as I've mentioned, 
Jesus has said, follow me and I'll make you followers of men. Excuse me, fishers of men, right? This is what Jesus does when you follow him. He is going to not just have you follow him, but as you get him into your life, he's going to take you and use you as a vessel, right? Could you imagine Christ being here, living his whole life and not ministering to others, not helping others? It doesn't make sense. Even if he didn't have the mission that he had, it wouldn't make sense. Why? Because it's the most natural thing to do if you're connected with God, you're called to somehow pour yourself out for the needs of others. And what Christ has said is, if you follow me, I'm going to send you, right? And, and why does he do this? Because he's got such a burden for the needs of people. So he's, um, you know, you look at 2 Peter 3, 9, it says this, the Lord desires that none perish or be lost. Now, I, I want you to get a thought of that for a minute. Jesus has on his mind that there are destinies that are at stake, eternal destinies that are at stake. And what happens now is what decides eternal destinies. We are in the battle zone. We are in the place where there's a battle between light and darkness, living for God, living for yourself, pulling out of the old, entering into the new. We are in that place, you see. And Jesus is very aware of eternal destinies yes, and, and where men are. He's not just thinking, hey, what can I do to make another buck, right? I'm sure, you know, he's a carpenter, we believe, and he was probably thinking, how can I make a better chair? How can I make a better table? But that's not what drove him in life. You understand what I mean? He did what God wanted him to do. And he followed the Lord and he had he followed God. And it says, He desires that no one perish, but that all come to the knowledge of Christ. This knowledge is not a mental ascent. There are many people that have a mental ascent right up here, but they don't have the knowledge of God in their hearts. You remember in Matthew 7, many are going to come and say, but Lord, I did this. Lord, I did that. Lord, I did this. And he's going to say, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. I never had a knowledge, a, a working, communicable uh, relationship with you. I, I, that I didn't know you. You see, he's talking about that union there. And what he says is, he desires that none should perish, but that all come to the knowledge, the knowing, the experience, not just the mental ascent, 
Didn't James say even demons believe they're not going to be saved because of that, right? So Jesus wants everybody to make it. He doesn't want one lost. That's how much Jesus loves people. You know, there's so many doctrines where, well, God wills that people go to hell. Well, no, God doesn't desire that happen with anybody. He doesn't desire it. And this is on Jesus's heart. And what is amazing to me about this is that according to the word of God, we have a part to play in that. Do y'all see what I'm saying? We can just think, oh, God doesn't want anybody to be lost. But the crazy thing about it is we are the ones that have a huge role to play in whether people end up perishing or whether they're going to know the Savior. Is that not, is that not a crazy thought? Amen. Amen. And I want you to grab that just for a minute. I want you to just think about the, the, the immense uh, weight of, of that concept. Christ came here to die for those who are perishing. It, it, he ex Peter's expressing, he doesn't desire that anyone perish. It's still on his heart. It's, you, you see, and we know there's more than the, just getting saved. I mean, there's a, that's not all of God's plan. There's so much beyond that that God wants to restore us to. But it starts out with that getting people back in line, alignment with God, causing them to follow him, um, you know, and, and to, to go with God. And according to the word of God, we should all be about our father's business. Our Father in Heaven's business, right? What's that? Well, it starts out winning souls, making disciples, encouraging our brothers and sisters, helping other people in their walk with God, praying for others for their breakthroughs, not just for our own. You see, you know, when, when you invest yourself, even your prayer life in the breakthrough for other people, you know, somehow that's multiplied back to you. What you sow gets multiplied back. It's really powerful. Anyway, Ephesians 4 says this, And Christ gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. For the what? Equipping of the saints. To do what? The work of the ministry. Do y'all know most of the time we think, well, we don't use all those expressions. By the way, you know what an apostle is? It's a, that word means a sent one. There's still apostles today. There's still prophets today, pastors, evangelists, and teachers with various gifts. And we think, we usually clump everybody and call them all a pastor, right? We think they're supposed to be the ones who are in the ministry. And this verse says, these people... Their role is to equip the body so that you will be in the ministry. Do y'all see what, I'm, what it says there? In other words, everybody who is called to follow Christ is also called to be sent to do ministry. 
If you have not recognized, you're called and God wants you to be following him so that he can send you, you're missing out on a big part of life. Following God isn't just about you being successful. It's not just about you making it. It's about you making it, but then you bringing it to other people. God wants to equip his whole body to do the work of ministry. What ministry? The Lord Jesus's ministry. You might go, oh, that's too big for me. Yeah, I know it sounds that way maybe, but God has called you into the ministry. And part of my role is to help equip you, to help get you to get stirred up, to help you discover your gifts. And I'm not the only one, praise God, but I just want to say, God brings people all around to help us get trained. And he's called those in the fivefold ministry, right? But we're all supposed to be doing this. God wants to send you. Now, I'll just say how many people get started and they get so disconnected from God. They disconnect, they, you know, they're serving God passively. Maybe they, their first year, they got so many things to overcome. You know, oh, I'm going to let go of this. I'm going to quit sinning in this area. I'm going to quit living like that. Oh, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to, oh, this isn't right. Maybe you fall a few times and you go, wait a second. The Bible says if you're born again, you can't sin. That means there's something on the inside of you say, hey, you quit living like that. That's not right. The Bible says it's not right. And there's something on the inside of you going, mm, you can't do like that. If you want to keep walking with God, you got to agree with God instead of going backwards. You've got to say, I'm coming out of that. I'm going to live for God, right? And so you keep going forward. You're growing. You're overcoming. And then I've noticed over a period of time, sometimes three, four, five years, these individuals often get cold for God. And I believe there's one major reason. I believe once they begin to grow, if they don't learn to go, they're going to get cold. If you don't get the vision of God on the inside of you, and then you start using your faith to build the kingdom, to expand the kingdom, to see people get their breakthroughs, to see people get saved, to see people get discipled. You are going to get cold in your faith. You can't spend your whole life just looking for your own breakthroughs. God says, come close, and then I'm going to send you. The normal pattern of growth is you get strong, but then you're reaching out to others. Could you imagine a baby? You're getting born. I just have a new ba grandbaby, by the way. Hallelujah. But could you imagine a baby being born? And, you know, when the baby's five, six, seven years old, you know, it still won't bring the, the spoon to their mouth. You know, it wants to be fed. And, you know, and it keeps on, you know. It's like you're going to be very um, slow in your growth and not go very far if you don't learn to do beyond what a child should do, right? And that's the way it is with God. You need to get the kingdom vision. You need to begin to use your faith, not just for your own little breakthroughs. You need to start using your faith for what God wants to get done. Man, I want to just say, that's what a son does, you see. A son wants to cause his father's business to prosper, right? A son wants to bless what his father's doing. And you see, God wants you to take what you've learned in your faith and use it for the kingdom. God took David. What did he learn? He learned to take care of those sheep, right? 
And what did he do? He fought the lion and the bear. What did God have him do one day? He transferred all of that where he's using that for the kingdom. Hey, I've killed the lion and the bear through God. My own breakthroughs through God. Now, guess what? That Goliath will be like nothing. He is taking his faith that he's learned for his breakthroughs, and now he's bringing it to the bigger picture and said, I'm going to use my faith for the kingdom expansion. And let me just say, God's got something a lot bigger than you and your little kingdom. There's kingdom on the inside of you. And until you pull out of your selfishness and self-centeredness, you will never reach your full potential in God because your full potential doesn't start stop with you. It stops with something a lot bigger with you. Amen? God's got something so much bigger than that for every one of us. Draw near to Him. Get close to Him. Know Him. Get your breakthroughs. And I guarantee you, if you keep growing, He's going to send you. And if you don't grow, you're going to get stagnant. It's just going to be an intellectual growth. You see what I mean? <laughs> you got to go. Go, make disciples. Multiply. Go, deliver the oppressed. Bring the kingdom breakthroughs to other people. Man, think about this. What if you're living for this? What if this is your zeal? Do, do you see what I'm saying? We run after what we get zealous for. People have lost this vision. Once you begin to think about this eternal state of people, once you begin to realize there's darkness all over this earth, and you go beyond that and go, but I'm the one entrusted with light. I'm the one that can pray. I'm the one that can bring a change. And if I will awake, awaken, maybe there are a whole lot of other people awakening right now. And maybe we're going to see some breakthroughs. Maybe you got to do something. But I'll tell you what, God will use any person that's ready and willing and available and that keeps wanting to see breakthroughs. So go make disciples. Go deliver the oppressed. Go and speak truth every place that there's darkness in this world. How can you put the light, didn't Jesus say, how is it you put the light under the bucket? Get the light out of the buckets. Get it out into the open so that it will bring light where there's darkness and bring glory to God. Amen? Amen. Everything you've learned, every breakthrough you've gotten, use that breakthrough and what you learned in the middle of it to help somebody else get their breakthrough. Because what God did in your life, He will do for somebody else. Your testimony, what you fought through, where you where you broke through, God will use that that you have obtained in God for you to be able to give it to somebody else. Your great problem that became a great testimony is meant to go to other people. Your great breakthrough is meant to be shared and broken from your life to others so that they can get the breakthrough that you got. When somebody gets free from something and they say, I was like this, but God set me free. Everybody that hears that gets hope. And they wake up and they go, huh, I'm not just made like that. I didn't mess up forever. God can change me too. Amen. And God wants to teach you to go out, lay hands on the sick, go pray for people boldly. As long as you're looking to you, you're going to be filled with fear and doubt. You know what? We are just made, we are full of fear and doubt in our natural selves. Did y'all know that? Faith, trust in the word of God, pressing into the Lord will press us past fear and doubt and press us into God. 
And for God to use you the most, you're going to have to go way beyond what you've ever done before. Amen? You're going to have to step out and serve God just trusting Him. You know, I just want to share this. I, it's hard to explain sometimes, but, you know, the Bible says that we should strive to serve the Lord. And what it means in that word is to give effort. But the way we use the word strive, we're not supposed to do that. Do y'all see what I mean? What do we do? When we get the vision of God, it's not a burden that we're, oh, i got to make this happen. It's an excitement. And what it does is it makes us connect with God and we begin to learn how to do these things. Do y'all see what I mean? Jesus is getting ready to send out 70 who don't know anything about ministry. They've never done it before. And he says, go. How many people today, they say, if God tells them go, they're going to just sit down and go, but I don't know how. But I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm afraid. God's like, I, that's what I want to use. You know, when did he go to Moses? When Moses goes, but Lord, send somebody else. I can't do that. I'm nobody. When Moses thought he was something, God didn't use him. When Gideon thought he was something, God didn't use him. Are y'all with me? Now, it says, if you look at this, these 70, again, we mentioned this earlier, I mentioned it. Who are these? These aren't apostles. What's he calling them to do? To go out into the harvest. To pray for people. To see people get their breakthroughs. By the way, you know that's a lot of how God sees people get their breakthrough. How people begin to come to God. Somebody prays over them. Maybe they're not even a believer yet, but you see something's in their life. Maybe a demon will come out and then they'll come to the Lord. Some people think they have to come to the Lord before demons come out. I don't think that's always true. Anyway, Jesus sent these people out and they're not apostles. They don't have any titles. Who are these 70? Who are these 70 people? Think about it. All they are is followers. They're the most common people. Right? They didn't have a name with the other ones. They're just common people. They've been following Jesus, following Jesus. And he's like, hey, I'm going to train 70 more. He calls in 70 people. Why is he doing that? He's not doing it because they're great. He's doing it because there's such a need to go out and help people. Amen? <laughs> there's such a need. And so what, what's he doing? He's just taking these common people. And I want to encourage you in this. God will use common people in uncommon ways if they're just willing just to obey Him and to trust Him and to step out of their comfort zone. I want to reiterate that because that is so true. When you follow Christ, He's going to give you opportunities. And, and you're going to have to be willing to step out of your comfort zone you're going to have to be willing to do what you can't do in yourself and you have no confidence in yourself to do and you feel like maybe you're shaking in your boots, but that is where you begin to trust in God. Amen? That's where miracles begin to happen. 
So that's all that they had. All they had was their, their willingness and their, their faith and their trust in God. Now, he is telling these people. Now, he is he's sending them out, these 70, into the harvest. And the very ones he's sending into the harvest, he's telling them, pray for more harvesters. I think that's so interesting to me. It's on his mind. You see, Jesus is in a rhythm right here. He's thinking, oh, I'm training up these people. I'm getting ready to send them out. And he's going, he's seeing the harvest. And he goes, man, hey, guys, pray that God send laborers into the harvest. And they're going, we're, we're getting ready. To, you mean even more? There's 70 of us here. Pray that God send laborers into the harvest. Why? Because... Jesus is seeing here there's not enough laborers for the people that are ready. I want y'all to think about that for a minute. We always think. Now, this is stretch you a little bit. We always think that if it were to be, it's going to be. I just, I just think that that thinking is so wrong. It, it comes out of certain doctrines that death taking it too far, right? It's taking it too far. This scripture indicates that there's some people that are ready and there's nobody to help them come to God. Do y'all see that? We Christians... Sometimes we have too much lead poisoning. We always go, I'm not lead. I don't feel lead. <laughs> when we think about things like this more and we get into it, we're going to feel lead more often because God definitely is looking for people that he can send into the harvest. And I'll tell you right now, I fully believe right now there's more people ready than there are harvesters. There are people in the workplace. There's people all over this nation that are more hungry for God, and we don't even know it. You know there's one story where Jesus was at this well, and he starts ministering to this lady. Uh, his disciples go to get something to eat, and he's just there at the well. He's like every one of them left. <laughs> and then there's this lady there. And she's been living in sin. She's living, she's living with uh, uh, this man. He goes, he says, go call your husband. And uh, she goes, well, I'm not married. He says, oh, I know that's true. But you have been married five times. And the one, and the one that you're with now, you're not married to. He sees her sin, but he's wanting to help her out. Isn't that true? Mm -hmm. Think about that. Then what happens? He calls her out. He starts talking to her. It all gets to be about God. When God hit that point, by the way, this is an amazing thing. God hit that point. It touched on her whole life. You see? But anyway, he was there, burdened for this woman. And, and he reaches out. It's, and it came about out of conversation. 
And he's, I think, see, Jesus wasn't omniscient. He said that. He says, I only get what the Father tells me. And so, and so I think what may have happened there, he's talking to this woman, and God begins to give him insight as he's there. God's giving him words as, he's, as the conversation progresses, just like he will you. And then, and then he sees this woman come to God. She turns around and comes to God. When the disciples come back, what does he tell them? Guys, don't say the harvest isn't ready. Don't say there are not a lot of people out there that don't want to come. They're ready. You see what he's saying again? There's so many people ready. But the problem is nobody is going. Nobody's being sent. Amen? Y'all see what I'm saying? Now, we think that our prayers, that our works, that our sharing, they don't really make a difference. That's usually what people think. Um, but scriptures are very, very different on this, right? Listen to what Paul says in Romans. Whoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe if they've not heard? And how shall they hear unless somebody tells them? I want you to think about that. God does the miracle of salvation. Man is the vessel of clay that simply gives out the message. Amen? We are the vessels God uses to work through. You all remember the verse we've been talking about regularly? Paul said, Apollos and I, we plant and we water. We are doing our part. But God's the miracle worker. He's the one that brings the increase. But you see what I'm saying here? God says he needs these vessels that will go out and do the work. God says this to Ezekiel. Now listen to this. If you don't warn a man to turn from his sin, he's going to die in his sin. But his blood I will require at your hand. Now that sounds pretty strong. What's he saying there? If you don't tell a sinner what he needs to hear to turn around, he's going to die in his sin. He's going to be held accountable. And he says, but guess what? You have some guilt because you didn't tell him when he could have turned around. That's pretty, that, do y'all see what I'm, what, I, what I'm saying there? You might, well, that doesn't apply to the New Testament. Well, I think it does. I think it does even more so. Even more so. Then he says later to, in the same area, in the same passage to Ezekiel, and if a righteous man begins to commit iniquity, which is sin for those of you who don't know, because you didn't give him warning, he will die in his sin. Now, I don't know if he's implying the righteous man is a man that if he'd been told and warned and somebody said something, he'd have turned around. But it says that like, if a righteous man begins to commit iniquity, because you didn't warn that man, he will die in his sin. Man, that's just crazy to think about, is that not? Because you didn't warn him, he's going to die in his sin. His blood will require at your hand. Now, I know that's a heavy thing to preach on Sunday morning. But really, think about what the point is here. There's somebody 
that has begun to live in sin because you know it and maybe you don't say anything to them about it, that person, he'll die in his sin, is not a, which is not a good thing to do. Right? And what does he say? But his blood I will require at your hand. And Ezekiel's not guilty for the man's sin. The man's still guilty for his sin, but Ezekiel's guilty for not having told him because if he told him, he would have turned around. <laughs> is, is that not crazy? Now you can go, oh, I'm glad. That's Old Testament stuff. But I tell you, if these people had a responsibility to tell others that they might be saved, how much more do we when the plan of salvation is so much more clear to us than it was to them? And we know if they do not come to know Christ, if they don't turn from their way of living and turn back to God, there's no hope. Right? And it is in the New Testament. Look at this. Paul said this in the New Testament, Acts 20, 26. He'd been preaching. In fact, it just talks about he had talked to men about repentance toward sin and faith in God and salvation. And then he says this, I am innocent of the blood of all men because I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Y'all think about that? I mean, think about that. What's he saying there? By the way, can you tell where he's inspired scripturally? Can you tell he got that out of Ezekiel? He got that out of Ezekiel. That wording comes right out of Ezekiel. And he goes, I am not guilty of any man's blood because I told the whole council of God. The whole council. What does that mean? That means the part they didn't want to hear too. You know, it's easy to tell people things they want to hear, but it's not always easy to tell people the things they don't want to hear. It's easy to tell somebody God loves them, and we should, but it's not always easy to very kindly and lovingly. And by the way, if you're upset and angry talking to people, that's not God either. God loves people. And love ought to come out of you when you're telling them about God. Sometimes they're not going to like you for telling them about God, right? Anyway, so you remember and connect this word where Paul goes, I told everybody, I shared with everybody, and I'm guilty of nobody's blood, right? Um, connect that with the thought and the ministry of the Lord Jesus who said uh, through Peter, where Peter explained it and says, Jesus still desires that not one perish. Amen? Now, my wife and I were in, we bought a mattress recently, which required about four visits to the store. I mean, we've laid like, we've laid on every one of those mattresses. You ever wonder, who was laying here before I was laid in here today? You know, we're, we're like laying all over the mattress. Go back and lay on all of them all over again. You know, so we ended up having to get two. Two mattresses fit in one bed. Um, anyway, the first time I'm there, you know, our salesperson, he's from Syria. He's such a nice guy. And so the first time I'm there, I'm just thinking, man, I, I need to bring Christ to this man somehow. And so, you know, we're talking and so... 
I'm I'm going out the door and I just I just say, what can I pray for you for? You're like, <laughs> and he said it, I hadn't said a thing about God, but just, I mean, it just seemed like the most natural thing to do. I said, what can I pray for you for? And he goes, like, <laughs> and then he goes, well, and he mentioned a few things. So I prayed right there for him. And I also prayed for his needs. And I also, when I do that, because I've done it a few times now, what I do is I, I know God's going to show up. Maybe the first times I did it, I didn't. But now I know. I even feel his presence when I pray for people. I feel his presence come on. So I'm going, I know he's having an, a little bit of an encounter with God, whether he gets saved or not or not. I don't know whether he will get saved, but I know God's coming into his life because I'm the light and I have God in me and I'm praying for him. And in this encounter, he's he's experiencing Christ a little bit. Y'all see what I'm saying? I know that's happening. So I pray for him and I believe also for God to inspire me. So I start praying for some things he didn't ask for, right? And I just learned, just go there. You'd be surprised how many times you prayed exactly what they needed to have prayer for, right? When I finished praying, I noticed some of some of the other guys <laughs> were like right over there, uh, sitting down like like you know come close but like not not looking you know. <laughs> and so um, so I finished praying and I I just said, you know okay well well thank you and I just walked out and of course I prayed in Jesus' name. He knows I did all that. As a, as a believer in Christ. So, again, we were mostly coming back and looking at these um, mattresses. and We developed sort of a relationship with this guy. He was so nice, and we were talking to him really friendly and all, and I just go, man, I just hadn't had the open door to quite talk to him about Christ. And, but we were developing a, like, a, like a nice connection, and it's the day when I'm thinking, I'm not going to see that man anymore. And I'm going... It sort of feels abrupt or just sort of feels strange just the way everything is for me to interject Christ now into this, into the relationship we have with this fellow. But then I began and I thought, oh, been so, this will be so awkward and then he won't like us anymore. He's going to say, oh, those crazy people. I thought they were nice and cool and whatnot. But then I began to think, what if nobody ever tells this man about Christ? What if nobody ever talks to him. What if nobody ever plants the seed of the Word of God in his life? And what if he goes into eternity never having the opportunity to come to Christ because there was never a laborer willing to go? I kept thinking about that over and over. So when we're getting ready to go, I just had to do it. <laughs> right? And so, whew, how it goes. My wife saw me, she's like, she's out the door. <laughs> but you know what? I could feel God working in me. And by the way, it's so simple. You know, we have discipleship classes. I believe some are starting today, actually. And um, I believe that's John Anthony's group starting today. And uh, you'll learn in those groups how to tell somebody about God. It's not so hard. And even if you can just say, even if you just start saying, you know what, all I just want to say, even, let me back up, or you could start out just praying for people. And then you could just say, hey, I don't know how to share it like I ought to, but I wish I could tell you about Christ like, I, like I've experienced him. 
And I just want you to know he's real. He's changed my life. And one day, maybe in a few months, I'll come back and I'll tell you a lot more. I'm just saying, just go somewhere. If people see you're real. And by the way, when I'm talking to this guy, I wasn't doing it because I'm going, oh, my blood on my hands. We got to do it. That's not why I was doing it. I was doing it because I'm, I cared about that guy. And I'm thinking, I don't want him going into eternity, not having the opportunity to know about Christ and about being able to turn from his old life and having a new life in him. I mean, that's a really sobering thought, you know. And I can't bear the weight of thinking like that all day long. But we need to think like that son. That needs to be a part of how we think, you see. And it needs to motivate us. We need to be motivated out of love for other people so that we'll go out and reach them for Christ. Now, and I'll let you know, he didn't give his life to Christ that day. I don't expect the people normally, you know, I remember years ago when I first got saved, we'd go out telling people about the Lord. And some people would give their life to the Lord right then. Most of them, they've already heard the gospel a hundred times. Most of them are already in church back then. I would just say most of the time when people hear one time, usually uh, they don't get saved that first time. I'll tell this story. This is really interesting. I went to China years ago, and um, I was invited to go to China, and I was going to share Christ there, which they don't want you to do, okay? But it was a, it was an okay situation. It was a good situation. And so, um, some, so I, I'm, I'm there, and um, the translator that they gave me, by the way, the, the guy who invited me goes, uh, watch out for that certain party. And I said, oh, okay. He said, if they, you know, that, that party sort of runs China, and if they're sort of anti-God, right? So um, he got me a translator. Can you believe it was a, a young girl? The translator is from that party. She, and so y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? She goes, she, she goes, uh, so I'm thinking, I'm getting ready to, uh, I'm there. She was going to show me around, and I'm, I had a meeting later. And I said, "Oh, should you want me to show you around every this this, this temple and that this?" And I said, "No, I don't even care about that. I just want to. Why don't, why don't you introduce me to some students?" And she said, "Okay." Anyway, she goes, "Well, I thought you were an engineer." I said, "Hmm, no." And anyway, so I sat down, and I and I so I sat down with her, and I'm going, "Oh." I'm going to go ahead and just tell her. So I, I, I shared the whole gospel with her. I shared with her about Christ dying for our sins, about us having sin, and we need to come back to God. And the way that we can is we have to want to repent from our sins. And also, Jesus is the way that if we want to be forgiven and come back to God, we can be forgiven. And she goes, but I can't believe that. I said, why? She says, because the XYZ party tells me I can't believe that. I said, why? And she goes, and then she laughed after a few minutes. She goes, I don't know why. <laughs> so we go, she gets me to talk to these English-speaking students. So I get this, and she speaks English, of course. She's translating. I get to speak to all these English-speaking Chinese students. And it's amazing I'm not talking about God yet because I'm going, oh, no, i got this person right here. 
I don't know if I ought to do this. I'll get in trouble. Maybe they'll put, you know, put me behind bars or something. And so I'm sitting there with all these Chinese people. And, you know, you hear about the gospel spreading in China. Anyway, while I'm talking to them, they're asking me all these questions. And I feel like I've got the greatest wisdom in the whole world. I'm going, man, it's just, this has to be God. I've got amazing answers for every single one of their questions. And then there came the point and I'm going, now is the time you need to tell them about God. And I'm going, but that girl's right there. That girl's right there. And, and right then, she stands up and she goes, and he can tell you about God too. That was amazing, wasn't it? And so I got to share with all of them about Christ. And I asked them, how many of you have heard this before? None of them had heard. One of them said something about, well, my aunt believes, believes that. And she says she's had these things happen and these miracles. Da, 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 but we think she's crazy. <laughs> something like that. But none of them had heard. And I was amazed at how hungry they were. That's the first time they ever heard it. It's the second time the, the XYZ party girl heard it. So... I'm going out the door and she's walking behind me. We're going to go to my next place I have to go. And I don't know how far we've gone. And she goes, I believe. <laughs> I said, uh, what do you believe? She says, I believe in God. I said, what do you mean you believe in God? She said, I believe in everything you said. I was blown away. This girl's never heard this message in her whole life. It's a crazy message. Do you understand what I mean? I mean, God sent his son. We're sinners. He was registering with all of that. She heard it twice. After the second time, she comes out and goes, I believe everything. I said, what do you mean you believe in God? She says, I believe everything you said in there about Jesus and about God. And I'm going, that's amazing. She'd never heard before. Those people never heard before. I'm just going, it always doesn't happen that way. Many times they'll reject you. Sometimes they'll get upset at you. You know, one reason why we, tell, we don't want to tell people, we think they're going to get upset. We think that they're going to reject us, right? Or who knows what, what we think is going to happen. Or it might not go well. Or, they, or the friendship might, you know, might mess up the friendship. Jesus has warned these people here. And he said to them, he said, go. And he pretty much says later, some people, they're not going to leave. They're not going to listen to you. Just keep moving on. You know what? Sometimes we sow seeds. People get upset at you. But later, God works on them. I believe God works in their hearts. I believe people were praying for Paul. You know, uh, he was called Saul because he was a trouble, right? Oh, we got to pray. You know, if you know somebody's causing trouble in America, you know, uh, killing Christians or whatever, there are going to be a whole bunch of Christians that are praying for him, won't there, won't there be? Anyway, so I believe Paul had probably heard the gospel many times. And then, boom, one day, God showed up. So it's not your responsibility to save the people. But all you have to do is to just start going there and let God give you the first step. Sometimes I'm thinking, I don't even have the right first thing to say. And I feel like I blunder so much on the first step, but once I say the first thing, boom, the rest usually just seems to come. 
It's that initial breaking through to say something or to invite somebody to church or whatever. It's sometimes it's the, the barrier we have to break through. But once you start breaking through, don't ever, don't ever give in to that timidity. Anyway, he tells these people, you keep sharing, you keep going forward. Now, um, I just, I think this is so, another interesting thing here is how these individuals have been shot with the call of God, right? I believe they're shocked because they probably thought serving God was just going to be about going to Jesus meetings, taking notes, being in the anointing when the worship team comes, go back and just, just enjoying your relationship with the Lord, right? And then one day he calls them out and he says, I'm going to send you guys. I just think that was probably shocking. How would you feel if you give your life to God, you're following God, and then one day Jesus tells you, okay, now I want you to go to such and such city, and I want um, you go heal the sick. Hey, will you go over there and you go heal the sick, okay? I want you to go to such and I want you to go to Galveston tomorrow. Elliot, okay? I want you to go to Galveston and heal the sick tomorrow, okay? <laughs> and preach the gospel and cast demons out of people. And then I'll be do that for a whole week, and then I'll be coming over there and meet, you know. Think about that. What would you think? I don't know how to do that. I don't know what I'm doing. That's exactly why God could use them. Do you see what I'm saying? They're not going, oh, we're powerful. Oh, we're the apostles. Oh, we're the... No. He's, he's given them a task they know they can't do. In fact, when they come back, they're all excited and going, it worked, it worked, it worked. Demons even come out. Oh, it was amazing. Y'all remember that? They were surprised it worked. What did they do? They just did what Jesus told them to do, and they had to know they could not heal anybody. Jesus says, go heal them. They go, we can't heal them. So we got to go, oh, he told us to do it, though. So he's going to use us. We have to do it, even though there's no way I've got anything to heal anybody with. Did y'all see what I mean? So he's put them in a place of extreme dependence on God. He's told them to do something they know they can't do. I, I want you to think about that. That is extremely powerful, and that's how God uses us. We have to do things we can't do. Amen? Because that's the only time we'll put our absolute trust in God. Wow, that's what he called him to do. And then what else does he say? When you go, don't bring any money with you. Why? You know, when Jesus gives you an assignment, do it just the way he said, because that's going to be what gives you the results. If he says, throw the nets on that side, throw the nets on that side. If he says, fish on that side, go over there. If he says, go back, go back. If he says, don't take any money, don't take any money. 
how many of you would go, now that's just crazy, right? You're telling me, go over there and don't take any money with me. Don't take any provision with me. Yep, that's exactly what I said. Look, he's asked them to go do something they can't do. Not only that, he's asked them to not take provision with them. He says, you'll be provided for when you go. Why, does he, why is he telling them that? Because now, not only are they asked to do something they can't do, they're having to trust for their own provision every day that God's going to take care of them. You, do y'all see that? They're having to believe God. Lord, take care of me. God, I believe it's going to come. God, I'm trusting in you. And at the same time, they're ministering outward from their connection with God as he's taking care of them. They're ministering outward with others. Let me just say, God doesn't put you in a place of strength to minister with others. He puts you in a place of weakness to minister with others or for others because that is the place where you're trusting in him for yourself. And that's in the place where you're going to trust him to work through you. Amen. I just think that's amazingly powerful right there. I read this this past week. This, this person was quoting this minister who was very effective for the Lord. And the, the quote goes like this. God can do a lot with a little. Amen. God can do a little with a lot. But God can do everything with nothing. Amen. God can do a lot with a little. God can do a little with a lot. God can do everything with nothing. I think that's great. He hangs the world upon nothing. God uses the those who are nots or nothing to bring to nothing the things that are. Why? So that no flesh would glory in His presence. It's just God. Amen. It's just God that's going to do it. Quit looking to yourself. God just wants people who are willing, who are available, who will say, God, I'll go. Lord, no, I don't know how to heal the sick. No, I don't have power. But God, I am willing. Here I am. Send me. Those that will not make excuses. Those that won't say, I'm too tired. Those that won't say, oh, that's not my gift. Those that won't say, oh, you know, I'll do something else. God just like, if you're willing, if you are willing, God will definitely send you. You know, it says of the 12, this is in Mark 3. Somewhere, I wrote it down, I think, Mark 3, 14. He says this. He called those 12 that they might be with him so that he could send them out. Go, and I'll be with you. Always, even to the ends of the world. Go, and I'll be with you. Let me just say, we come to Christ, He's with us. The increasing He is with us happens as we go in His name. Do y'all see what I'm saying? If we want more God, you got to first start out here, but then you got to go. And how many of you are willing to say, God, today, I go? You don't have to make yourself do something that He's not going to just put a little inkling into you to do. But I tell you, just the way it was coming to my mind, you know, the other day, it's just interesting how we have to obey the Lord. The other day, I was driving somewhere and just kept coming to my mind, don't go over there, go over there today. And I said, no, that's too far away. And I'm going, no, that's not the Lord. Why would that be the Lord? 
But then when I went, then later I'm going, this is the Lord because of what happened. And I thought, wow, how many times we need to be willing just, just to mess up or do something a little out of the ordinary to see if it's God. And sometimes you need to be willing to fall flat on your face. And even if the people reject you, it doesn't matter. But I want you just today, if you're willing, I want you today just to make this commitment to say, God, I'm willing. He said, pray that, that he send laborers into the harvest, right? Who did he tell that to? Laborers. He told the ones already in the harvest, pray that God send more in the harvest. So first of all, you need to get in the harvest yourself. Amen? Amen? Anyway, let's just, would you stand and let's just pray. And if, if this is you today and you're willing to do that, you know, God's with you. God's been teaching you. You've, you've learned about God. You're going to go to the next level. Start engaging your faith and your vision now in the call of God, in the purpose of God, and what God wants you to do. Begin to believe God for breakthroughs. Begin to believe God for the kingdom of God to expand. But begin to believe God for Him to give you a mountain to possess, a, a kingdom, a place to go bring the light of God and to expand His kingdom. Begin to get excited about seeing people come out of darkness into the light, out of, out of where they've been, into a new place in God. Let that be what motivates you and begin to use your faith for that. Watch what happens and say, God, I'm, I'm here I am. Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. I guarantee you God will send you in some way. He will use you in some way for the furtherance of the gospel. Quit looking at yourself. The more you say, oh God, I don't know how to do that. He says, exactly, that's, you're the very one I can use. Just remember that. When you go, oh Lord, that's not my personality. Oh Lord, that's... You're exactly the one that God will use the most if you'd be willing to step out. It's amazing how that happens. It's amazing because you're not trusting in yourself. Father, this morning, Lord, we want to thank you, God, that there's a great harvest and it's getting so ready right now. It's so ready right now. We don't even see it. And God, what you want are laborers. You want people that'll tell them the truth. You want people that'll love them, God, and care about them enough to, to be honest with them and to to share their testimony with them and to love them and to invite them to church and to, to pray for them and to pray with them and to pray, pray they be blessed, God, to, to believe, God, that you'll come into their life and begin to show yourself to them. Father, we want to stand in the gap for these people. We want to pray for them. We want to speak to them. God, we pray your burden would be in our hearts, God, so that we can fulfill your mission, God. And it, that includes winning souls to, to you, turning them from their sins, turning them back to God with a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and then helping them to grow. Lord, help us, God, to be disciple makers. Help us to be disciples and help us to be disciple makers. Father, we pray, God, give us a great influx. Lord, they're not just going to join the church at large where they just come on Sunday. Lord, they're going to join a living organism of people who are disciple makers, who love God, who are helping them all along the way, who are praying for them, who are believing for their breakthroughs, God, it's going to be life just coming out of everywhere. Everybody's full of the Word of God. Everybody's full of ministry. That's what you meant things to be like. So, God, we commit ourselves to that. And where, wherever you are right now, just with you and God, I just want you to be honest with God and just say, God, I'm going to follow you afresh. I'm going to go deeper. And, Lord, here I am. I, send me. Train me and send me. Just tell them right now. Train me and send me, God. I want to go. I'll be your hands and your feet. Use me to speak. Use me, God, to pray for people. Use me, oh God. Here I am. Here I am. In Jesus' name, amen.